Welcome to the Real Estate Entrepreneurs Podcast. Welcome to the Real Estate Entrepreneurs Podcast. Today we have one of Houston greatest, my friend, Mr. Rich. What's going on, man? Man, how are you doing? Doing pretty good. Pretty good to good. see. It's been forever since yesterday. It's huh? been forever since yesterday where we had a couple of beers at the, at the Prosperity Group event. Uh, shout out to AC Ramos and, and his team for putting that, that, that magnificent meetup together. But who are you, man? Where do you come from? Man, I grew up in a small town, East Texas. Okay. I uh, ended up going to college there in uh, Huntsville. All right. Worked at the prison, night shift at the prison. Really? I didn't have any money to pay for school. You, you know? were a prison guard? Yeah. yeah. All right. I've seen some bad stuff in there. Right. Went in the military after that. Uh, flew planes for the Navy for six years. Okay. I uh, got done there and uh, I was on the West Coast. Spent some time in the Gulf. Spent some time in, in Asia, which is a beautiful part of the world. Where were you enlisted? Uh, where, you were an officer, right? Yes, sir. Okay. 90 to 96. So 90 to 96. I'm an old man. Right, I'm an old man, so. right. right. So I got back here, uh, 97-ish, I stayed on the west coast for a year or so, I wanted to snow ski, and over there you could snow ski and play beach volleyball the same weekend. Right. right. So it's, uh, it's not fair. Yeah. So uh, yeah. got back here, got got involved in a little real estate with a, with a lifelong friend. Uh, I was his first lender. Okay. Uh, bought a house on Cavalcade. Right. So I gave him uh, 25 grand to buy and rehab. Yeah, back then you could do those things. And he sold it for forty nine nine in wow. fifty one days. Wow. And so he was he we thought we were rich. Yeah. Know? So then we started flipping houses. So it was it was different back then. And we were doing some wholesaling, some retailing. So what we'd do is we'd get a notepad and we'd drive around neighborhoods and we'd write addresses down if the grass was high, a lot of mail in the mailbox, boarded up windows. Driving for the house. So we did that and we'd take a list home that night. We'd get on the computer and we would look up the appraisal district records and find the name of the owner. Right. 99% of the time, there's no there's no phone number. Right. So then we go to the phone book. Now, if their name was Joe Smith, we threw it away. Right. And, well, first, first you want to look and see if you had a Joe Smith at that address, right? Right. But if it was a name with a hundred different ones, you just throw it away. But if it was Elmer Shaughnessy or something, you know, there might be five of those, we just call them all. And we eventually find the owner and basically out of the blue say, hey, you want to sell your house? And you know, if we bought one or two houses a month, we thought we were, we were rich. You were killing it, right? We'd flip a house and make two grand and we thought we were, we were, going, we were going to River Oaks. You know? Wow, yeah, it's different times, right? Um, Absolutely. I mean, back then, get this thing started, otherwise, you don't know what you're doing. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. No, but you know, I'm pretty good at keeping the time, but um, I'd rather see it because I know, okay, we've, we've done enough and we know when to cut it off and all that. But, yeah. but um, so so you came to, so you moved, what brought you to Houston? Well, I grew up, grew up in Texas. Okay. I was a, I was out, you know, on the Is West Coast. Is this hard to, to leave? I don't know. You were in California, you said, right? Yeah, I was in the I was in the Bay Area my first tour, and then I ended up in uh, Seattle, Washington area. Okay, so that, that's there. a that's a gray area, like, like a gray. Yeah, city. it's not too good weather. But I got yeah. a job waiting tables because I could get to Whistler right in about three hours. Right, it's beautiful up there and great skiing. So good deal. Um, so I ended up back here because I'm from Texas. I love Texas, right. and Houston's the only place you can make any damn money. Right, you know there's. 
you know, you go to East Texas, a little town of seven thousand people. There's nowhere. There's yeah, nowhere, there's, there's no, no, no future, no opportunity. Right? No opportunity. So I'm not a big fan of the city. I like the country. I enjoy the peacefulness and quiet. Right. But you know, you got to be where the money is. That's where the right. opportunity is. You know? So you got to do what you got to do. Well, probably today you could move back into into the country and just be happy. You know, it's it's interesting you bring that up, and you know, I know you you know this better than anyone is. In the last two or three years, COVID has accelerated that. Yes. Where you, Zoom is so prevalent and, and online sharing is so prevalent yeah. now and online meetings and remote working has been pushed, fast forwarded, right? Damn near any job you do, you can do it from anywhere. Absolutely. You, you were talking about one day retiring, right? Maybe one day, right? Maybe one day. If you semi-retire, you could still run your company from... Mexico. Mexico, you can run it from Uruguay, you can run it from anywhere. Whatever you want. As long as you got an internet connection. As long as you have an internet connection, right? And heck with Starlink, are you familiar with Starlink? Yes. You get, you get, you know, gigabit speeds out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. So you don't even need a wire. Yeah, that's what everybody uses out there in the country. Like, you know, um, I used to flip a lot of houses out in Sweeney and West mm -hmm. Columbia. We were talking about that last night. And, and uh, the ones that I had in the middle of like county yeah. road, whatever with what with another county road, yeah. there's no AT and T cable there, you know. Yeah. Star Starlink, no that's it. Yep. There's no Comcast, so so that's how we uh, we put the internet service to get our cameras out. Mm -hmm. That way we don't get vandalized. All, although yeah. if you have a house on three acres or five acres, most likely it's not gonna get vandalized yeah. because nobody knows whether you're in there or not uh -huh. um but um our base man so you come to houston you came what 96 or something like that yeah, in the middle of 96 well, well more towards 97 because i stayed that one season waited tables chased waitresses what were you doing here like when you got when here? i came here i got a job at papacitos okay and i started my training and i was flipping a few houses and i just told them i said man i don't want you to waste your money on training i'm gonna quit anyway because i'm making money Right. You know, and, and more money, you know, make weight tables, right? Right. So my time was better spent, you know, going out prospecting homes, flipping houses. Then we ran across Homebusters. So we got ugly houses. Yep. yep. We traveled up to Dallas, met with the founders, and we immediately uh, started doing that. So we went to doing one, two houses a month to 10. Yeah, because their method of marketing at the time worked very efficiently. Oh my gosh. Okay, so now, your companies, you specialize in, you know, skip tracing. You yeah. you you are doing, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of texts, right? Right. You're doing web SEM, yeah. SEO, you know, SEO, SEO, everything, right? So the market now is very sophisticated. Yes. So you're competing. People that start in this business are competing against people like you, and it's difficult. It's very hard. We were the first people to put a uh, billboard up in Houston that said we buy houses. Wow. So we had a fax machine. So the lead would come in on the fax. So someone would call, we had a call center answer the phone live, and they would transcribe to a fax. And we would, we have, there, I had two partners, we sit in one big room. We had a little bitty office, Southwest Freeway. When the phone, when the fax machine would fire up, we had not it, because we had so many leads. I had a stack of like 30 follow-ups Wow. that I couldn't even call and I didn't want another one. And we were, we were buying houses for 10 grand, 12 grand left and right because all that demand over the 
you know, 50, last 50 years of people inheriting a house and having it sit for 15 years. Or, or have a tenant tear up a house and let it sit for two years not knowing what to do. You know, that divorce and not knowing what to do. Well, all that demand was just sitting for years. I, I remember, uh, I, I, so when I started buying properties here in Houston, it was around 2008. Mm -hmm. And I bought a few properties, but then somehow I got connected with with Jet Lending. And yeah. Oh, Eddie, and that's yeah. sorry, Johnny and Eddie. Yeah, yeah, I yeah exactly. Guys. I know, I know you know a little bit about those guys, right? So, but I, uh, but I was actually connected with LT Jasper, who used to yeah, work with LT, amazing guy. Yeah. Um, and uh, I had a job. I was in the oil field. I was making good money. And LT was like, Ricardo, you're buying all these deals from us. Because I was I was buying from, from Eddie everything, right? Buying a lot of houses, the, the uh, houses, the the um, uh, the loan. I mean that those guys made a lot of money on my deals because they collected points, and payments, they, and they gave assignment fee. Absolutely, yeah. I loved it. Who For cares? me it was like, hey, it's done, yeah. no big deal, right? So he comes to me one day, he said, Hey man, why don't you just get a home investors franchise? And I was like, what the hell is that? Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, that's how we get all of our properties. And I was like, how would that work? He's like, well, you buy the franchise. And then what we do is we put you on a round robin. And as the deals come in, then you start you getting take the deals. your deals. and But you pay for the call and this and that. And I said, and no, I have to talk to the sellers or to the potential sellers. And like, yeah, you qualify them. And, and I was like, hell no, I don't want to do that. Like. I just want to buy from you. I'm fine with the way I'm doing it right now. But I didn't know what I was saying no to back then, right? Today, you tell me, it's like, what? I'm in. Let's do it, right? Um, but that was my introduction to, to homebusters. I would right. see the billboards. We buy all You didn't homes. understand the model. I had no idea. Like, you know. And yeah, they had a good good advertising scheme. What the scheme, but, yeah. but uh, the way they organize it. So. You could advertise anywhere from a thousand. It's bucks. a system. They had a system. Yeah. If you did a thousand and I did three thousand, I get three leads. You get one. That's right. And you had to buy them by by the thousand by the share. Right. Right. And that's how they did it. And it was randomized who got the first lead every month. So, then we fast forward, right? In two thousand sixteen, mm -hmm. I would say, um, I was already wholesaling, but I was I wasn't wholesaling to other people. I was wholesaling to myself. Okay. So we were sourcing our own leads, all yellow letters, mm -hmm. and um, direct mail is very effective. It's very effective, it's, but it's very expensive. And you have to do it a certain way. Yeah, and there's got to be there's a trick to it and, and all that, right? So and you got to be consistent and and but anyhow, man, I, we I was doing all these yellow letters, and as we're growing our business at the time, it, it was an acquisitions business. It wasn't a wholesaling business. It's acquisitions for our own flips. Mm -hmm. I'm driving and I, I see one of these We Buy Ugly Houses, um, what do you call Billboards. it? Uh, Billboards, right? And I'm in, I wonder how much that thing cost. And at that time, Jason Bible and, um, forget the name of his partner at the time, mm -hmm. um, Houston House Buyers, yep. they started putting up billboards too. Yep. And I was mm -hmm. like, man, so now you got Tom. Tom. So Tom Perry, yep. shout out to all those guys, uh, Jason and Tom, um, and and uh, so I, I would see these billboards and I was like, okay, we buy all the houses, got billboards. Now these guys got billboards. I'm gonna do billboards too. And next thing you know, man, I'm putting billboards everywhere. Yeah. But man, if you had yes, if you had to ask me again, will you do it again? I was like, never in my lifetime I will put billboards again. 
um, because they're very expensive, number one. Um, number two, when the calls come in, you got to be on top of those calls like hot, right? Yeah. Otherwise, you may lose them. I don't think I lost money on the billboards, but it was a liability because you sign a contract with Clear Channel, Channel. or whatever, or all these companies, and guess what, man? If you if you can't make it, they're still gonna want to have their payment, and 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 it's like almost like signing a, a death sentence, you know. <laughs> so, but what my strategy was uh, because I knew these guys from Houston, Houston House Buyers had so many of them. I was like, I would go to them, uh, not to Houston House Buyers, but to, uh, to the billboard company, uh, Clear Channel, and I said, look, show me the routes of all these real estate companies. And they could do that. They said, yep, here they are, because they had it on a map. This is where the, all these guys are placing their billboards. And I would be like, okay, how much is this one here? Well, this one is 1000 bucks. That one is 5000 That one is 800 So there were all sorts of prices. And I would ask based well, on the count and all that. Based on the on the right traffic. rate or left rate. Right, yeah. right. And and so I started learning about all of that stuff and I said, All right, when is their contract expired on that billboard? And they go, No, they're actually month to month on this one right now, so we can kick them out. All right, I want that spot. And by the way, give me six months. Because now they had already created mm -hmm. uh, 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 a a brand or not a brand, but the awareness is there. There was a house buying awareness on that billboard. There was a house buying awareness on the billboard, so that's what I was buying. Smart. As soon as I started seeing that, hey, that contract expires in three months, and guess what? They're not renewing. All right, put me on that one. Put me on that one. Put me on that one. So I started piggybacking right behind them, yeah. and many worked. That helps. It worked. And then we did mailers in the area, so mm -hmm. so it was yeah, branded mailers. And absolutely, a multi-prong multi approach works on that. Billboards by themselves are not great. No. With TV or with something like a mailer, uh, that was the, the way Homebusters was so effective because they'd say, oh, those are the guys I heard on TV. Yes, or the radio. Or, or they see TV and they say, oh, those are the guys on all those billboards. Those are the ones with the caveman. So multiple right? approach. That's what got me, the caveman. You get your attention. But the advantage that we had was homebusters buying billboards all over the world, all over the country. Yeah, the country. So, like, when we, we did Houston, we'd do 600 boards. Wow, yeah, that's a lot. And so we had buying power. Not only did we have a lot here, so what we did was we bought the a lot of the 8-sheet and 30-sheet posters in the neighborhoods, mm -hmm. the smaller ones, and we do remnants. So what remnants is, is we'd wait till the last second, and they say, we got... 200 unsold billboards you want them all and we get them for like 50 bucks right wow plus the cost of paper right and so they do the printing plus 50 bucks for all the remnants and then on those little ones what you do you do them for one month this is a good trick you do those little boards for one month and then cancel if no one puts a board up that paper will last two or three more months Stay there, yeah it'll start falling off you learn, you learn a lot when you start doing that at a scale right yeah but to me, there that was a, free billboards. Uh, it was a very heavy, intensive, capital-intensive way of marketing, mm -hmm. and I just didn't like it. So eventually, I dropped them all off. Yeah. I still have pictures on because I'm proud of my billboards. Yeah. Like shit, that's me. I had a billboard, you know, yeah. like a few of them running. I think the most I had was like ten. Um, but um, all right, so let's go back to you, Rich. So, right. so you <clears throat> you start flipping houses. Yep. When do you start keeping some houses? You know, it, we made a huge strategic error, and this was something that we thought was genius, and it was the worst thing we could possibly do. So 
we buy houses, we fix them up, we sell them, we buy houses, we wholesale them. And then every now and then we get a house we just couldn't sell. Yeah. Like, we'll just keep this one as a rental. Mm -hmm. No, we, we call it our, slu our sludge, right? Right. Now you buy 50 that, houses. That's how I became a landlord. You buy 50 and, and you only sell 40. You got 10, you better do something with it. You got to do something with it. Our, our, money, money, our money don't wait for their money. Nope. So yeah. we started looking at it a few years down the road and we had 300 rentals. Wow. Which was great. But a, some percentage of them we chose to make rentals because they were great rent houses. But that sludge percentage, the 1940s house on blocks that that's got tube knobbed tube wiring mm -hmm. and and no uh and shake shingles underneath yeah. the, the the roof you know it was just that's those, are, those are money pits and so those were poor choices to make in long-term rentals right um so we ended up unless you really have them right yeah unless you start tearing it all yeah, out a full and you can't afford to do that yeah. back then you right. know that's something we didn't even know how to do so we really made a, a, a strategic error by keeping those we should have just Lower the prices, got rid of them, and moved on because those aren't one you want to hold long term. Right. Unless somebody's willing to go in there and just just completely gut it and bring it up and then sell it to a family. You know, so that was a mistake. So we had about 300 rentals. We did a whole bunch of owner financing. So we buy a house for 10 or 15,000, put about 10 into it. So we'd be in for 25. We'd sell it for 59.9 at 12% on a 15 or a 30 year yeah. mortgage. We did that 300 times. Wow. Now that is a yield now. Right. And so what we would do is we would take those houses and go to a bank and say, hey, we've got all these notes. And eventually you bump into a banker that understood paper right. and they would give you a loan against the notes. And the trick there is to make sure you don't have a longer amortization on your payment right. than any of the notes. Right. What you don't need is some two or three notes paying off, and you still owe on that house. You of have course. a huge problem. A huge problem. Financially, you have a problem, but you also, you know, that's the wrong thing to do to somebody. You know, right. You, don't, you know, you could you could get in a lot of of course of trouble it's, for that's that. fraud, man. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So we we you know if somebody made a uh, if somebody makes a principal payment, we turn around and made that principal payment. Right. You know, and it's easy to not do when you're when you're struggling paying your hard money or you have a bad month, things don't close. You get into a things don't budget, close, right? Yeah. yeah. So you always have to do that. And the other thing you have to do is put money aside for taxes. Yeah. Because most of the commercial bank loans we had, they didn't escrow. Oh wow. So at the end of the year You have this big tax bill from yeah, all this property. Hundred and seventy five grand. Yeah. You know, and you're like, uh oh, we forgot oh, shit. I don't we didn't think about I don't that. Have this money, man. So, wow. you know, we, we made our share of mistakes and learned right. and um you know, I, I I would say, and you, you'll probably agree. I know you've had some hard times. Oh yeah. <laughs> that you learn more about being a businessman and a leader by the problems you have than the good times. Absolutely, yeah. The good times is just a byproduct of of the pain you've already the pain gone through. You got, you've gone through because yeah. you know it's a um, it's like Rocky says on on that quote on that movie. It's not how many um, how hard life. Uh, hits you is can you keep on moving while you're getting punched and yeah. something along then you those gotta lines. Get back. And then you got to get back, right? So, um, so you okay? So you went from flying airplanes to having different types of jobs, moving back to Texas, 
training at Papacitos, but then figured out flipping is better. Yeah. And, and and then you you ended up with hundreds of owner finance notes and rentals and, yep. and yep. things of that nature. Yeah, we're doing over 100, 100 buys a year. A year. At that point. Yeah. Well, that, that's a big operation. And it's, I'll tell you what, it, it's really hard to scale. You know, you've, yeah. you've done it. Yeah. It's very difficult to scale that business because, you know, how many crews can you get? And, and if you get a lot of crews, can you stay on top of it? That's what killed me in Harvey. Because I, I had them. About that. Yeah. I had them. I had the crews, but then Harvey came in and they just have operated overnight. Crews, crews want to get paid, and then they go, they go do the job over here that that pays double. Well, FEMA was a, paying a thousand bucks a head, man. Like, how do you compete with FEMA? You still, you can't. When when we went through Hurricane Ike, that's when that was different for us. Harvey was different for us than you because we weren't doing a lot of rehabs during Harvey, but during Ike we were. Mm. And we told these contractors, we said, I understand how you feel. We'll try to pay you a little bit more, but if you leave us, don't come back. Mm -hmm. Because we've been keeping you busy for the last five years. And when the times were tough, we had jobs. You go chasing this big money for six months and come back, we're not taking you back. I, I told them the same, Rich, but... I took them back anyway. <laughs> no, I, I told them the same, man, but uh, I never did. Uh, they, they left... But I mean, I, I cannot blame them. Some left, some didn't Look, for us. But no, for me, I have 50 people working for me at the time on my houses, so I have like five, no, I had 10 crews of fives. Hmm. So we can effectively work 10 houses very fast. Yep. Um, and then I had roofers and plumbers and electricians, those are subcontracted. But I'm paying a guy on average at the time, is probably 150 to 200 bucks a day if they're good, like they're top notch. Pretty good money back then. Right. Yeah. FEMA comes in, man, and they're paying a thousand, and 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 I tell them, hey man, if you leave, you can't come back. They're like, well, fuck you. I mean, these guys are paying me in one day where you pay me in a week. But these guys can't see past next. They picture. couldn't see it. They can't see past next month. And and because I told them, man, you cannot come back. They never came back. I kept three that were real good. I inherited a lot of Puerto Ricans that were coming from. Puerto Rico because of the hurricane they Floods, had over there, yeah, but they had no, they didn't have the, the the skill set yet, you know, so we had to work on building that. So it was very painful for me, but, you know, long story short, man, buying a hundred houses and doing what you guys did at the time required a, 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 an operation. What did, I, what did that look like back then? You know, we had, we had a construction supervisor, uh, we had two or three people in the county. The counting and the paperwork shuffle was significant. Well. You know, we had we had a guy who's a retired military guy, and he ran our accounting department. Super smart guy, went to the Air Force Academy. You know, and he ran the accounting department. He said, "Heck, he still works for us now. He's kind of part time now. He's kind of kind of throttled back." Right. But um, you know, we we had a pretty pretty good little staff, bunch of salespeople, and then we paid people to go put up bandit signs. Right. You know, uh, we got caught one time by the the bandit sign guy. Oh yeah. George Tinkler is his name. Wow. He's the head guy. So we paid this guy to go put up 500 signs. He said, no, no telephone poles. Always put them away from the road. Right. You know the rules, right? So stupid us, we didn't know the trick. You don't put your own phone number. No, you gotta you put another phone number and you say yeah. hello, or real estate, right? Right. So this guy walks into our office and our receptionist is sitting there and her phone rings, she picks up, she says, homebusters, he goes, you. So we had to, he said, I will not write you a ticket, but you need to pick every sign up within a week. 
So we just paid the guy to put the signs out. We had to turn around and pay him to go pick them up. And I think he missed three. So we got fined, I don't know, a thousand bucks or something. Uh, that happened to me in Bay City. So uh, <laughs> I was slinging signs in Bay City all over the place, man. And, I mean, I was slinging signs all over Brazoria County mm -hmm. and Matagora County because that's what that was my bread and butter. Yeah. And and uh, I remember me and Dennis were putting the signs up, and it was me. We were having fun, man. Putting Back the in signs the day, up. We did it all ourselves. We, we did all that yeah. shit. So we're putting. I mean, we put like I think that one Saturday we put hundred bonded signs. It felt like it was ten thousand. Uh, that we have built this this tool that that had a stapler on the top, and you can put the bandit sign in it, and then you just go and put it, you put it, put it real high, way so they high. couldn't reach it. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. couldn't reach it. Yep. So we'll put them way high on the telephone poles or the light pole, the, the ones that are wooden, right? And this is on Saturday. On Monday, our phone is ringing. Hello? And then it's just like, yep, this is the Bay City Police. Um, I see you guys got a bunch of signs here in uh, in our city, and uh, if you don't have them done by tomorrow, you're getting a. I think it was a. I would say it was. Two hundred and fifty or five hundred dollar fine per sign per day. Yes. Yes. I per mean, day. he calls me up, say, "Hey man, you never believe this." I said, "What's up? We gotta go pick up all the signs." And I said, "What do you mean we gotta go pick up all the signs? The police just called us, man, and." And, and we gotta go, because we bombarded the city with signs. And um, we went and picked them all up again, man. We had to buy some grapple, some grabbing thing, and pull them all down, and Terrible. it was horrible, man. And, and you know, two days wasted completely. Uh, actually, to pull them down, it took us longer. Uh, but we called them and said, hey, we're taking them down, but just give us a couple more days, you know, we'll be done. Sorry, we didn't know about this. We're new. You sure. know uh, Scott Wizzy? Oh, yeah. You know, he, he gets fined pretty much every month, and he just doesn't care. He's got so much Because money. he's got so many houses that even paying the fines, he sells enough houses, it doesn't matter. He buys them by the pallet. No, no, no. Scott is, is an animal, man. Now, this guy... Great guy. He, some people are like, oh, I don't like Scott with him. He's a good guy. I, I sell him houses all the time. I like Scott. But hell, he hit, when I was going through my ordeal, one of my houses got sold at the tax foreclosure. Guess to who? To him. So I just called him and I said, hey man, can I redeem this thing, dude? Like, uh, like sure. yeah, bring bring the check, whatever we pay, plus 20% and it's yours, or 15, but I can't remember what it was. So yeah, I don't hate, but yeah, he's got a monster, man. Like, yeah, he's got an operation. He's got sharp. a monster. Super sharp guy. Yeah. I think people that say they don't like Scott don't even know him and they're just jealous, you know? Yeah, they just want to be like, maybe like him when they grow up or something. But people don't like this this millionaire. You, you know, your life's not changed because some billionaire's got a bunch of money. I'll tell you a story about him. So I'm selling him houses. This is back in probably in 18, maybe. Um, and um, they invited me to their, to their office. Like, hey, man, who is this guy that's sending us all these properties at a, at a good margin? And so I get to meet him. And he's like, oh, man, nice to meet you. You know, thank you for sending all these deals here. You make our lives a lot easier because we don't have to buy stuff at the auction and this and that. And I said, hey man, uh, by the way, I'm going to this meetup tonight um, at the Redneck Country Club. And he's like, really? And I said, you want to come? And he's like, sure, I'll go have a beer with you. So I brought him to, uh, to the I meetup. remember when he was when y'all came. I well, remember that day. So I brought him that day. I said, I said, what are you doing here? Yeah. yeah. And he was also in disbelief. Like, 
who the hell brought you here? It was me. So I, I brought. I remember him. you brought him, and now yeah. I do remember that. I, we were standing when I saw y'all. We were standing by the outside bar. That's right. Yep. Right by the outside I remember bar. Remember that. Yeah, and that, so that, that was, was a good event, wasn't it? It was an amazing event, man. And I want to ask you about that, right? Like, so okay, so you became a, a owner, finance investor, landlord. Yeah. You were flipping. When did you start your 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 uh, your franchise, like the, the, how property you, yeah, the property management company. It's been about eight years, and so we, uh, you know, we looked at it as, you know, when you when you're the landlord, something goes wrong, yeah, you got to pay. Yeah. Tenant moves out, you don't get paid. But as the property manager, you get paid no matter what. No matter what, yeah. You know, if tenant pays or not, you still get paid. Right. So we thought that, and and plus it's it's kind of like an insurance company, right? Right. You get another account. You get another recurring income stream. Right. It's a it's a really difficult job, uh, business. It's a very thin margins, right. but high revenue. Right. But very thin margins. So the only way it works makes sense is a pretty good scale. So we're, yeah. we're a little under a thousand doors now. Right. Um, but you know what we what we've learned, and I know you have because I I know you. I tell my people when there's a decision to be made. Whether it's better for us or better for whoever, just do what's right. Do That's the it. right thing. That's and it. It's cost me a lot of money over the years when the, when the, when I would have made a different decision, but in my employees' eyes, the right thing was to do something else. You got to stand by what you said. Do it. It's integrity. And right? I had an old couple. The tenant moved in and moved right out, and it happens, right? Wow. They moved out, made a little mess, not bad, but this was a retired couple in an RV already halfway around across the country, we have a tenant warranty. So I said, we don't need to give them a refund. We'll just find them a new tenant. And she's like, Rich, they're scared. They're on the way home and they're afraid. They don't know what to do. I said, give them their money back. Wow. And she was so, she talked about it for years. You know, I didn't do it so she'd talk about it, but no, she's, that's just, that she'd was never just, leave us. She yeah, that was my product of what happened, right? So, so, so you decided to become a, um, um, a property management company, yep. and you deal with uh, man. Tell me about that because you're dealing with headaches. All yeah, the time. I have a pretty good staff, so you know it's interesting. It's kind of like a lost luggage counter. We don't get the call and somebody says, "I just want to let you know everything's great over here. Love my house, and I'll be paying my rent on the first. We don't get that call. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know yeah, exactly. We get the call that says, "I got a call on Friday night." On Labor Day weekend, I didn't get the call. The, yeah, the, the maintenance, does, right. maintenance answered service got the call. AC was out. Well, sometimes we'll send somebody on a Saturday, you know, but not on a Friday night at eight o'clock. Right. Because they charge double at least. Yeah. It costs 150 bucks to open the parts house. Right. If they need a part. And if if a tenant's like, I really wish you could do it tonight, we'll call the owner and ask if they if they're willing to pay for it and. 99% of the time they're like, I wouldn't do that on my own house, right? Which I would. Anyway, I looked at the weather. It wasn't supposed to get over 80 degrees all weekend. It was going to be in the low 70s, which is where I set my AC anyway. Right. You'd have thought that we killed their children. One star review. We're the worst evil people in there. Right. They called the city. They tried to call the news people because we didn't fix an AC on the weekend. So yeah, you're right. You deal with crazy people. Wow. When you're dealing with tennis. I had, a, I had one the other day. 
uh, we were playing ball in the backyard and we hit a, a yellow jacket nest with a ball and now we're inside our house and they're, they're, they're on the windows and we can't go outside, please help. <laughs> Tenants are crazy. Yeah, but we have our share of just fantastic. They live there for three, four years, pay it before the first every month. And when they move out, the house looks like they were never there. Well, and that's most people who want to do the right thing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, but you find the, the cheaper the rental, the worse they take care of it, the more expensive rentals. Seems like we take care of it better. Yeah, we, I did a lot of D-houses when I started, and, and that was the tough. case, right? It was tough. Um, I mean, the carpet was just like, of course, after that, I never did carpet again. It was just all laminate yeah. or vinyl. We did a laminate plank. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but I think actually vinyl, vinyl is plank. better. Vinyl, vinyl is plank, better. I'm sorry. Yeah, because that right. vinyl, vinyl is, uh, it's got, yeah. you know, waterproof, right? So, but vinyl is a thing of now. Like, vinyl came out maybe three or four years ago. Yeah. It's before that was cheap. laminate. It's pretty cheap. It's yeah. cheap. I think yeah, it's... Yeah, laminates are terrible because they get wet. They, they, they buckle. They buckle. Yeah. So, so, that doesn't happen with the vinyl. But, uh, man, I had a lot of rentals. And, and we created our own management team because it wasn't a company we weren't managing stuff for anybody we that's manager something, yeah. that's something i like i i'm like uh-uh i'm not i'm gonna i'm not gonna manage your problems i'm sorry because right. i got enough for mine but i remember we rehab the house in france where you live you live out there right I live in so wandering trails like uh it's a good street beautiful street right and uh this is a house that was from some nasa engineers that we bought uh, the right. kids inherited the property we bought it and uh, I forgot the address, but it's, it's, it's still, it's, one of my partners still owns it. And um, man, we, we put like 40,000, no, we put on that property, I would say we put maybe 60,000 in it. Yeah, those we, are big houses. The, that one was a, like a, like a 2,800 square foot house, something like that. We turned an attic into a living space and it was a pretty good house. And um, we used the company that I'm not going to mention their names to the foundation, and they're supposed to call me, and I had to go look at the at the switch line right. before they they close it off. Well, I drove to the house, and when I get there, it's closed off. It's not like, guys, the switch we just moved this foundation. What did it look like? Oh, it, it looked good, boss. And I'm like, oh, okay. I guess they they took a look at it and made the decision. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, we go through the whole rehab, put tenants in it. Sunday afternoon, my dad comes from Florida. He never comes to Houston. But I'm this this Sunday afternoon, for some reason he was here. We're having lunch at somewhere around the city center. And I get this call, 3.30 p.m. Mr. Ricardo, um, the toilets are backing up. And of course, I've been in, in the business long enough now to where I knew exactly what was happening. You knew it was a, from the foundation. I knew it was a foundation. And, and but you weren't in the business long enough to not give them your cell phone. <laughs> well, I don't think it was me. It was probably they called the the, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the, the guy that... And your guy called you. They yeah. called me and, yeah. and uh, you know, man, and you, like in my case, and that's where I'm not a, a strong landlord. Like, I do feel the pain of those people when you got... Of course you Literally do. shit coming through the toilet, right? And um, so I said, I tell her to send me some pictures. And when she, she sent it to me, I was like, oh my God. So I called my plumber, Roberto, at the time. And Roberto goes out there and he runs a snake. And, and he's like, you're a good man. He's flushing. It might have been some toilet paper they clogged off because they got kids and all that. The next day, it happened. Like, 
So we had to hire these dudes that, that three guys about this tall. Guatemalans, man. Yep. Yeah. From Central America somewhere to dig up this tunnel. Um, so that was another $12,000 there that I wasn't. Yeah, the tunneling is expensive. It's very expensive. Right. So I got on that tunnel because once they, they dug it up, I was like, fuck, I'm going to go check this out. So I got in there and went all the way until until they were making the connections because I, mean, I wanted to see that, hey, this is properly connected. Mm-hmm. It, they pull permits, so the, it, the job was inspected, but I just wanted to see it. And it's scary to get in underneath one of those houses, but it. you yeah. you think that thing is gonna come crumbling down on top of you or something, right? Oh, it's, it's 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 pretty tough. That was but a mess. Huh? It was a mess. Yeah, we've done a few tunnel jobs. Yeah, that, I I think I did about I would say five. I actually still own the camera uh, that you run through there to see yeah. what we're yeah we own, we own our own camera. Yeah, so like, I went and bought my own snakes, my cameras, the whole yeah, We have all that stuff. Um, I don't use that. I think I don't have much of that stuff anymore. Maybe the camera, we still do. We still have it. So, all right. So you go from, from. now you go to managing properties. Yeah. How do you guys get into the whole, let's do, let's throw this big investor meeting with Eddie and, and, yeah. and those guys? You know, it was another marketing idea, right? And, um, you know, another way to, to connect with our own customers, you know, how our current customers come out and have a beer you know, build more of a relationship with right. them rather than just, you know, where's my money, right? Um, you know, and, and, and as we grew this company, we looked for other avenues to, to find new customers. And, you know, a lot of the small investors out here, you know, their time's better spent finding the next deal right. than answering that call on a Sunday afternoon, right. right? Your call that you had to answer, right? Yep. They're better off outsourcing that. At sun size, a lot of them will take their houses back. Right. right? You get to 80 or 100, you can hire people and handle it in-house, and you don't have to be the person answering the phone. Right. But, you know, we offer so many different benefits. You know, we have rent guarantees. We have advanced rent. So right. if, if we have a, a small investor that's, that's acquiring a lot of properties, well, we can give them a whole year's rent up front, and then he can turn around and go buy more houses. Got it. And we have, we have a deal with Wall Street guys they'll fund it. Right. You know, so rent guarantee, it's through nationwide insurance. You know, so if something happens, you know, the rent gets paid. You know, so there's all kinds of ways you can mitigate your risk as a lender. Right. But a lot of people, you know, most investors, they won't take the, the rent guarantee because it costs money, right? Of course, you're paying for insurance. And they're watching their yield. But the mom and pop that's a little nervous about their house, their old house, that, that's something that's really helpful for them. Wow. Yeah, so we, we really spent a lot of time growing this business and, you know, we started doing the event. So Eddie was doing an event over at SRO. Yep. And then he moved over to City Center to the Texan group. I remember I used to, I, I went to that one maybe a few times. Yeah. And we were doing our event in the office and then we moved to, oh, where did we move to? I think we moved to the RCC, the Redneck Country Club. Right. But we were kind of doing it in a side room. Right. And it, it, you know, we were bringing in a couple hundred. Eddie was bringing in probably three hundred. Right. And Eddie and I just, you know, I've known Eddie for twenty-five years, yeah. and we having a beer or having lunch or something, and we had talked about maybe doing a merge, you know, merging our events. So we decided to do that, but we went, we went ahead and went at the Texans Grill because Eddie's like, you know, I, I want the continuity of the Texans Grill, you know. Okay, I'm not, you know, no big deal. 
So we'll get to the Texans Grill, and with both of our customer bases, it was too big. And so it, it's that real long, narrow room, you can't hear in the back. You know, people are having to go outside on the patio because can't. there's not enough room. Real crowded. So eventually, you know, I went and talked to the Redneck Coach Club. I know Michael Berry, the guy that owned it, mm -hmm. you know, the radio guy, and uh, kind of made a deal with him. Um, so we were kind of going back and forth, though, because it's such a big place. And if, if you don't bring a crowd, it, looks it could empty. feel empty, right? It looks empty. Yeah. And I actually had a, a very close friend. Now, I won't say his name because you'll know him. He's like, you're going to regret this. Well, yeah, and I, I love it. I proved him wrong, but I never said I told you so. Because what, what good is that? No, no, no. I, I love when they say that because I'm, I, I operate off of uh, negative energy. So, yeah. like, uh, a few. Tell me, I can't do it. Except, oh, oh yeah. you told me what? Oh no, now I gotta prove you wrong. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, so yeah. It, it grew from there. Wow. You know, we had we brought in Mark Dotzer a couple of times, the economist from Texas A&M. Yeah. He drew eight, nine hundred people. You know. And then the very first event after Harvard, we had 1,170 people. I was there. It's the biggest one I've ever seen. Yeah, I was there. Over 1,000 people on a Wednesday night. I Man, I used to, I miss that event. Like, um, that event had something magical to it. Uh, every time I went to to the Redneck Country Club on that, on that Wednesday night, it was like I was looking forward to go hang out with my friends. Yep. Because we would all go meet there. Oh, a lot of deals got made at that event. A lot of deals. A lot of money got made. A lot of money got made. Money, properties got transferred. Oh, yeah. People sold loans. People sold, you know, software. Uh, but I would go to that event to reconnect with people that I hadn't seen in three or four years. Because, you know, you get busy with life and, and, and business or whatever, and you live in Perlin, I live in Katy or whatever, and you're like, it's, great it's, it's hard to see each other. But guess what? Everybody kind of like, that was the spot that everybody went and, 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 and met. So I wish that you guys could reignite that again because... Yeah, we're in talks about it now. Um, and, and anybody that hears this has an idea of a venue. We're, we're thinking about pairing it back a little bit. Not the scale that it was before. It's quality. Um, more quality. You know, because when you do free food and free beer, yeah. you're going to get a whole bunch of folks that are never going to do a deal in the room. Of course, you get to brag that you had 1,100 people in the room, but how many of those people are players? No, and, and right. honestly, then your sponsors, they're like, well, we sponsor here for six months, man, and I'm not seeing the, the, the results, right? So Yeah, this, I think the sponsors were happy. I think they, they wasted a lot of their giveaways on people that weren't going to do anything, right. but they did get to talk to good people. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, you drew and you we, drew the good crowd and everybody that came for the free beer. If, if you notice, we always have the sponsors in a separate room than the speaking, and so a lot of the newbies would be inside listening to the speaking Learning. and, you know, listen to Eddie's bullshit. You know? Right. And me, <laughs> me up there trying to, trying to be serious, right. and I just gave up and started talking bullshit because right. Eddie's so full of it. Right. <laughs> but then the more experienced people that didn't want to hear what we had to say because they've, they've been through it, Yeah. they're outside making deals. That's all we did. And, and talking to that new vendor that they've never seen yeah. and ended up finding a good AC guy or a good plumber or a good whatever. Yeah, we almost became a sponsor of, of, of you guys at the time when I had the mailing company. Uh, direct mail out. I remember I seeing your your mail come the first time at Landon's deal. Right, because we were sponsoring there, but 
I don't know why we didn't do it. And and it wasn't a money thing or like we were on board. What I think happened was because Landon's deal was somewhere around 19, 2019, mm -hmm. 18 and 19. And you guys started the Randy Country Club somewhere around, around that time somewhere as well. Around there, yeah. Right? Um, and we were doing Landon's and then we were going to do you guys and there was another event i forgot which one it was um that we we're going to be sponsoring you know because it's multiple people like especially landon had a whole different group some people from landon some crossover 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 yeah but the guy that fine. lives in spring doesn't want to go to sugar Land, you know like whatever i mean right. we, have, we live in a big city and we actually talked to the lady i forgot her name in in uh, uh eddie's team and we're like, all right, next week we're gonna make the decision. And we had, I think we had to prepay like three grand or something like that. And then something happened that week that we sort of like, we're not gonna sponsor. Huh. Yeah, and, but it, was, it wasn't anything we're related. We're gonna sponsor anything right now. Yeah, we're not gonna sponsor anything right now because we had to shift our focus to something else. And then I ended up selling that company, so, you know. Probably best. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't want to be printing letters right now. But. Yeah, what we would do is we would make people pay up front for six months. Right. Because what would happen if you didn't do that? They you'd have a month. vendor. They'd come for a month, and then they would skip a month, and somebody would come just to see that vendor, and they're not there. Right. No, and not, not only that, that, you ensure revenue. You know, hey, you know, you can True. commit to the to the yep. to the venue for longer. You can buy more beer now and more food, and because I know you guys spent a lot of money on that. Yeah, it, it, those, those, those that event was not cheap at all. No, but you said something a while ago about that there was something about it, right? Yeah. So Eddie and I have talked about this at length about how to make a good event, right? Mm -hmm. It needs to be in a good, geographically Location. good area. It needs to be somewhere that people like to go, want to want to go to. Like the RCC had character, right? Mm -hmm. It is a neat venue. It needs you need to. You know, have the opportunity to have something like, you know, maybe something to eat or, or a drink or two. Something to, you know, hey, it's, I know it's 40 minutes, but at least I can get a couple beers, right? Right. And then the last one is good content. Yeah, the content. Absolutely. You don't have good content. If you can do all of those, you can build a big event. I think we're going to, to try the newest version of our event without much content. We're going to try to build up the more networking more vendors maybe not hardly charge the vendors because i don't care about making money off of it i want to get people together that are doing business and get some business off right of it, right um but if we have more vendors and just get a couple hundred people 300 people but they're going to be if you're not giving away drinks then the the not, the do nothing people won't show up no they they they're not gonna want to want to go spend the money at a bar, you know. Like no, I agree. I'm gonna do a luncheon next week, uh, luncheon learn. Okay. We're gonna talk about how to hire and manage contractors. Okay. So we're telling everybody how much it is to pay for your own lunch. Yeah, that's we're it. We're not buying lunch, but if I have 30 people there that paid for their lunch. That's better than having a hundred people that got a free lunch. A hundred percent. Because eighty of those people just came for free lunch. Look, my events. So I run events too, right? And uh, my events are, are more of a from an educational standpoint. Mm -hmm. So I bring you bring investors. Yeah, we bring investors from everywhere, right? But 
uh, I had a friend. You gotta give it for free. Let's put a thousand people there. And I said, hold on a second. What are you trying to accomplish by putting a thousand people there? Well, it just looks better when you're on stage and you're speaking. Oh, you're talking about your ego. You're feeding your ego with a thousand people that you want me to put in my bed. No, no, no. Yeah. You want me to spend money to feed your ego. No, I'm not going to do that. What I'm going to do is whoever gets in that room is going to pay to play. Yeah. Okay? But what they pay for has value to them. It has value to them, right? So you have to create that value. So I'll give an example, and I'll break down how my event is. Um, my speakers is three days. So the speakers that are uh, that are marketed as speakers, they pay five k. So that's that's the kind of like the highest tier, right? <clears throat> then you got speakers that pay twenty five hundred. They get it's basically time. You're, they're buying 40 minutes time. or 25 minutes mm -hmm. or whatever. And then you got sponsors. So sponsors don't need to go in there for 30 minutes. They just go in there and say, hey, my name is Rich Drake and I'm from the Renters Warehouse. But I'm mm -hmm. your guy. By the way, guys, reach out to Rich. He's the best here in Houston. But He's here's what you do that I like. You don't take somebody's money if you don't feel they're going to bring real value to your no, people. No, no. Somebody wants to give you five grand and they got some scam. No, not going to let them. No, no. It. So number one, they got to prove they have a seven-figure business. Okay. That's number one, okay. right? The speakers, they can only be a seven-figure business. Um, and you watch some of those seven-figure guys it's quick, real quick, when you tell them it's five k. Oh well, uh, uh, you, you said, bro, you tell me you make a million bucks a year. And you can't really sponsor a five thousand dollar event. I don't think you're seven figures, right? So, so we do that, and then some people want to speak because of ego, like you said. Oh yeah, they're not trying to make make money. They no, just no. Want to, they just want to be important. They want to be important. They want to feel heard, right? So, so we do that with the speakers, and then when we verify that these guys are legit. We don't want to put a scammer in there or whatever. Um, sponsors is different because okay, if you have, you're in the services business. All right, what kind of product are you sponsoring, right? Is it hard money? Is it, you know, property management or, or texting platform, whatever? Then we have a slot for those guys. And then we do the VIPs. The VIPs, they the pay... Attendees. Yeah. VIPs, they, they, they pay anywhere from seven ninety seven to about $3,500 in some cases. But what we do with those guys is we create an experience for them. So they experience. Put on a sixty-foot boat in Miami. Put on sixty-foot yachts in Miami. Uh, we do a, a private dinner with Richard and and Eddie Gantz and the other guys. Seven-figure blueprint on how they grew their businesses, right? And, and they're in there taking notes. So yeah. it's a whole experience that we create on, on for the VIPs. Then you got another level that not VIP yet, but they. They're playing. They're you know they're getting their feet wet. They still got a little bit of a like a gold gold entry or something. Something like that. Yeah. So those guys pay maybe pay a few hundred bucks and they get the recordings of the event and they go watch that and, and all that. And Priority then, seating or something. Yeah. And then you get the 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 ninety seven dollar guy. But I don't believe in the free stuff anymore. I did the free stuff as well. I did some some pop up events here in Katy and Spring and and that's what they want is just the free beer and the, and then you're like. Man, but I haven't really done a lot of deals with this guy. This guy keeps showing up to every event, and he's still asking me how I'm getting my first property, or how is he gonna get his first property. Take action, man. So, you weed up a lot of the people like that, and I, I, I hope you guys do that event soon, man, because I, I really like the magic that you guys created there. Because you guys get to bring 
a lot of the 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 the, the players in, in our industry locally. It's a who's who at that event. Right. I mean, you'll you'll look at a group of ten people and you go, about fifty million dollars. Oh, there's there. problems. Yeah. yeah, no problems, right? Yeah. Uh, all the all the these guys are all doing deals. You Two thousand houses right there. Right. Exactly. Know? So so I like to see that again. Um, I do it different because I'm doing it on national scale. So because mm -hmm. I I focus on networking nationwide. Yeah, you're doing yours web based. It's yeah. Predominantly. It's yeah. So so in the one in February we have the attend growth. By the way, guys, go get your ticket right now. Um, couldn't help yourself, could you? Oh, it's just, just that, that that's that sales guy. <laughs> you said that. You know, I don't know. So anyhow, uh, that one is gonna be the last one I do in Houston because I'm moving. So I'm pretty sure gonna do the event wherever the hell I move to, right? Or, unless it's South America. But there is a there is and this is something I learned from networking nationwide, Rich. Phoenix, they have a different culture, okay. and we have a lot, a lot to catch up. And what I notice over there is that they collaborate. They all collaborate, lender with lenders, and lenders and lenders. There's none, none of these. Well, this is my event, and that's it. No more lenders. Right now, put. 20 lenders if, if they want. They're helping each other out. They want a big event. They want. Not, not, not a, I'm not talking about events like necessarily an event, but um, collaborations. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but I, I, I started going to Phoenix two years ago. And because I noticed a lot of the gurus in our industry on the education side are coming from Phoenix. Okay. So I was like, man, what's in the water in Phoenix? Like, what are these guys? I gotta go check this out. So I started building relationships with guys like Corey Geary. I don't know if you know Corey, but Corey is killing it doing innovations right now, uh, which is a, a, a different strategy during the wholesale, you know, operation, right? So he opened up these doors to Carlos Reyes and Sean Terry, and and what I noticed was all these guys work together. They had their own lane. Yeah. They were educators, selling education on, let's say, learn how to wholesale, but they weren't competitors to the next to the guy that was doing the same thing. They understand that their crowds are gonna connect with different people because maybe the way you shave personality. Yeah. Personality. Yeah. I like the guy with the blue eyes. I don't like the guy with the green jeans. Whatever. And they find a way to collaborate. So. I started picking up from these guys on, on the collaboration portion of it, right? And this is something I try to do here, and it was hard. I picked, I picked up the phone, and I'm not gonna mention their names, but hey, man, let's uh, let's go do this. The first question is, so who's gonna be there? What do you mean who's gonna be there? Yeah, I want to know who the other guys are to see if I really want to be in that room. I was like, what? Well, I can tell you, okay, Rich is going to be there, and this other guy is going to be there. Or if he's there, I'm not, I'm not there. And I'm like, and I found that That's from multiple people. Like, the egos are getting out of control. And I was like, guys, this is a get-together thing. Like, let's come together. Mm -hmm. Now, I may not like one person, but I can, I can survive in a person, with you know. I just don't need to talk to the guy, that's it, right? But I can survive with that person being in the room, you know?
But you know, I think we got a lot to grow before we get to the to the level those guys are over there. Because if you ever go there and experience how these guys collaborate, interesting you say that. I've always thought we were, we were we collaborate more than most other big cities, though. No, I mean, we're but not, not compared to that. Huh? No, not no. not even close. Huh. Not even close. It's crazy. My eyes were like I was like blown away because I've I've been traveling all over the country and. Tampa, there's some collaboration, uh, and and for some reason, it's it's specific cities like mm -hmm. that are growing the way they are in the investing yeah. world. Um, Tampa had some collaborations, but you still get the guys that don't talk to each other. Um, uh, in Houston, there's a lot of people that collaborate. That event that you guys used to do, that was one of the main bridges, mm -hmm. um, right? Like a lot of us came together there. So it felt in a way that we that I believe we were on the right track as far as like collaboration over competition. But after COVID, that everything kind of like disappeared at some point, because I had my own event. I just did a party at the Belvedere and we all went there and got drinks and all that and we had 300 people. I said, man, I'm gonna bring, I wanna bring that back again, but I'm gonna do it with an event. And I started picking up the phone and I started getting all this if this guy's there, I'm not there. If this guy's there, I'm not there. And he's, I know these guys that ate in the same table before. You follow what I'm saying? And I'm like, wow, we, we got so much to grow up. It's unreal. Well, it's interesting you said, you know, this is this is a big city. Yeah. But our community is not big. No, it's not that big. There's a, there, you can't throw a rock without hitting a real estate investor. Oh, but, yeah. But there's not many that actually do deals. Oh, yeah. You see what I'm saying? Definitely. So. You said something earlier. I can see somebody not liking one person because when one person screws somebody in our industry, everybody finds out. Oh yeah, and there, that's not a good idea. You do the right thing by people, like wholesaling. You said earlier, I wholesale a lot of stuff to Scott, and it still had spread in it. Yeah. If you screw somebody and you push the numbers and you fudge the numbers like some of these folks do, I just delete their emails. Yeah, because I know I can't trust what they say. Right. But if you send something, I know there's meat on the bone, right? Right. Hey, don't get me wrong. Because well, you have that reputation. No, and sometimes we sell stuff that makes no freaking sense to me. But those but are the you don't lie about got. the value. No, what? That's my point. If you said, "Hey, it's worth a hundred, and I want 90 I might pay ninety if the rent's fourteen hundred. No, and some people right? will go and say, yeah, "Yeah, I want that house for some reason." But you didn't say it was worth one forty. No, 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 no. Some people do. No, no, a lot of people do. And and that doesn't build your name. That hurts your name, and it costs you money. Versus you get somebody one time, and then you'll never get them again. They're going to tell everybody they know. A hundred percent, man. So I hope that we can we can we can bridge that gap here. I don't know if I'll be here until that happens, but. Um, Another place that I've seen that kind of like happening that's taking office in Dallas right now. They, they got quite a few good meetups going on. Okay. Um, they have this theater, I forgot the name, in Grapevine. So they do, they got the theater and then they got a vendor side mm -hmm. on the side. And, and it's very like, very much like the Redneck Country Club. Yeah. Not as big because they probably maybe put 400, 500 people there. It's a good event. Oh, it's a good event. Yeah, yeah, it's a good event. Four, five hundred is a lot. Yeah. Um, and and um, so they're doing that. That's TJ Cozen and, and, and his his partner Donovan Ruffin was doing one in Dallas as well called the event. Yeah. And and man, that's on a Tuesday night at the Virgin Hotel. It was good. It, oh, it was a party. 
I don't know why they stopped it. I mean, I hadn't talked to him in a while, but they were drawing a thousand people. But it was a lot of the freeloaders as well, right? Now they didn't do free free food or beers. You had to go pay your own, and it worked. And he kept that party going until late one, two o'clock in the morning, no problems. On yeah, a Tuesday night. I tend to lean towards not paying for for things for people. I, I've I've seen studies. You know, I've read a lot of business books. I see you do too. Um, you know, they talk about you know you give a free event, you get eighty people. You charge, you get two hundred mm -hmm. because there's value. You know what's interesting? You say that right. My last three events have been high quality type events, mm -hmm. and. I mean, these events cost six figures to put together. We brought speakers and we pay those guys a lot of money, right? And I sold out VIPs before I sold out general admission. Yeah. And that was like a, a code I, I was trying to figure out how to crack. I'm like, wait a minute. You tell me I can sell 150 tickets at a thousand bucks a piece but I cannot sell 200 tickets at 97 bucks. What the hell is this? All right, so. Yeah, it, they've done tests. They'll, they'll run the same banner ad or whatever for an event, and they'll put it for $5, and they'll do it for 20, and they'll do it for 50, and the 50 will sell more than the five and the 20. Yeah, so. Perceived value. It's perceived value, right? So I did one time, I did a, a so I did a $3,500 VIP ticket that were in Miami. Now we had yachts and stuff, so people were buying an experience. Yeah. Um, and then I think the general admission was like 97 bucks. I mean, huge difference, right? Big spread. I sold 40 or 50 of those VIPs, maybe, maybe 100 general admissions. Wow. Maybe. And, you know, and you're like, in my mind now, I just want to focus on VIPs because I don't need to. I don't need to cater to a thousand people. I just need to cater to two hundred and make it more intimate, more. Look at Tony Robbins. You can't get in there for less than ten grand. Oh right? yeah, oh yeah. The and people the, line up. Man, he sells those out left and right. Date with Destiny over there, and, and uh, it's incredible. It's crazy. I have a couple of friends that are they coached under him. So he was their mentor, and now these guys are animals, man. They, uh, one of them is, I don't know how much money he's worth, but he's got multi-family units everywhere in the U.S., and he teaches that. And, and um, when he does his events, which I believe he's probably got the best real estate event there is out there, um, he combines that personal development with the... I think uh, it's important. It, it certainly is. I mean, look. I can take you today out of the renter's warehouse and put you in another thing that scales just like that, and it only takes a matter of months before you get to where you yeah, are. It's not the, it's not the business. It's a business. Exactly. And but you have that mindset too, and the know-how, and you're prepared for you know good times from bad times. You grow a business, you can grow ten more. Absolutely. So, what's next for you, Rich? Now. Yeah, you're gonna do an event again, probably yeah, yeah. bring people together and all that. But what's in the future for you, right? You know, that's a, that's an interesting question. I, I uh, you know, since this COVID thing and all the remote working happens, 
happened. Um, we've we've been without an office this entire time. Wow. So we're working remote. Remotely. We're. I would argue just as efficient as we were. I miss the camaraderie. Right. I miss the team building type mm -hmm. things. I think that is a negative. Um, but now, are they all in Houston locally, or you got them all over? I've got about half in Houston and half. I've got Philippines, Mexico, right. Nicaragua, Spain. Okay. So I have some remote team members, Costa Rica. My right. my uh, IT guys, Costa Rica. Okay. He's a law student, but he loves IT. You know, right. while he's while he's going to school. So, you know, we. It would be easy for me to work from my, just as easy for me from working from my house here as working from a condo in Aspen right. or right. South Florida or, or Panama or a ranch. So I actually saw a ranch yesterday and I, I asked the realtor how much, it was nine million. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so my wife and I have been going back and forth, you know, we're empty nesters, my baby's 24, right. 4,200 square feet. Wow. What do I need that for, right? No. Yeah, huge overhead, right? You just need a condo. So my thought was there, there's a couple of ways you can go, right? You could, could find a ranch and get away from the world, right? And have some space. Um, you could. I, I thought another option would be to have a few Airbnbs around Texas, maybe some in the mountains, one in the mountains, one in Florida, and then do a lot of traveling. Say, oh, I'm going to go to Costa Rica for a couple of months. I'm going to go here for a couple of months. You know what? I'm going to go back and see my family for a while, and so you block out a window in one of your Airbnbs and just come home and use your Airbnb. Right. And have an owner's closet in each one, so you can have some of your personal items. Right. Um, that would be an option. Um, I could live aboard a, a cruise ship. I would enjoy that. I don't think anything's out of the question, and I think you're kind of thinking the same way. Yeah, you know? I'm, I'm deciding. You can run this business here from Florida. Oh, anywhere. Or from. South America. I, I could live in Colombia right now and it would just run as sufficiently as if I was here. And you know, you go live in Colombia, your overhead goes like this. It's completely dumb. You never do another bit of manual labor in your life. No, because you got mates and people that take care of everything. Yeah, you, you get a massage every day for you, twenty bucks. You have different problems there, right? You got of course. you know you not wear a watch and think yeah. like, you know, it's you might get kidnapped or I mean, the little things like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's if they find out you got a little bit of money and houses and all that, okay, you Maybe know what? So. Let's go kidnap this guy. But that's what keeps me away from Mexico, to be honest with you, because yeah. I love Mexico. I had a friend who had a relative kidnapped, and they paid and got him back. Oh yeah, yeah, it happens. Uh, I, I I grew up in Venezuela. But they're that. smart; they give them back because if you don't give them back, nobody pay. They don't. They don't want to kill you. They want the money. They want the money. So One of my best friends grew up in Venezuela. Yeah, so, you know, Venezuela got very bad, but now it's not as bad, but yeah. at some point, I would not think about going there at all. Like, now, today I can, but, you know, we live in a world today that if, if you, because now, we push a lot of paper, contracts going back and forth, mm -hmm. that's all email, you know. Everything, e-signatures. E-signatures. You can close without signing a wet signature now. Notarized, you know. On, verified on, on, on online and and so I've been thinking about with my wife as well okay because I go to Miami my overhead is gonna go up now I will shut down this office in March because I don't have a use for it anymore right but I have a contract here and I'm gonna honor that right yeah, I close it done I get rid of 3,500 bucks a month then we move to Miami maybe my 
my house will be more expensive there than it's here. Um, but if you go to Central America or South America or somewhere, man, if you spend 5K a month in living expenses, you're doing something stupid, crazy. And that includes two mates, a nice home. Yard guy. The yard guy, maybe private school cool for the guy. kids if you got little kids. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's what I've been toying around with, the idea of, of maybe going to Central or South America. I don't know yet. I travel a lot in the U.S., so maybe I'll save money there, but then on plane tickets and all that, it, you know, it, it might not make sense to, to move there. But yeah, I think for Mexico, you have to you have to live in somewhere that's that's very popular for expats. Cozumel. Cozumel, I was yeah. just there a couple weeks yeah. ago. 80,000 yeah, um, 80, people. But you go somewhere like that, the cartel kind of runs those tourist cities, but they don't allow anybody to hurt but, the Americans. But in Cozumel, it's zero, zero violence. Right. None. But they don't allow people to hurt the the tourists. Right. So you're pretty safe because the cartel's kind of protecting you. The, the problem with the cartels in Cancun, uh, for instance, which is a place I love, that I see that it's a, two of those guys running to a... They fight each other on the they street. They fight each other on the street and you're right in the middle of it, eh, you may get caught in the wrong spot. Yeah, I wouldn't consider Cancun. I would consider yeah. Akumal, yeah. you know, Playa, Tulum, maybe. Yeah. But um, and have you been like to Tulum lately? Not lately. Oh man, that's a that's a that's a. Is it growing fast? But it's a crazy house. Like it's, there's a lot of drugs in the streets over here. Yeah. Oh man, because they turn it into like these clubs, and it's that's all terrible. And it's like the boom boom clubs. Boom boom clubs. That's all it is. And I spend a lot of time in Belize. Belize is Belize. Like the keys. Yes, but yeah. if you get if you get on the mainland, you're gonna get petty no. theft to death. Yeah, you're no gonna get robbed. Yeah. No, 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 you gotta go to the Keys. You gotta go to San Pedro. Or, uh, I stopped in the Navy in Belize. So we stopped in Belize. So we, were, we I was stationed down in Ingleside. So we went from Corpus to Belize. Yeah. And man, you know, to navigate in Bel into Belize is, is not easy. You gotta hit that gap in the reef. Yeah. Yep. Because they got all these coral reefs, right? And even the cruise ships, they do a, a bunch of zigzags. Yeah. So, anyways, we got into there and, um, we were forbidden from going into the mainland. It's like, you guys do not go there. It's dangerous. You can go to the Keys. Yeah. And so we had two boats that ran us from, to San Pedro and-, and, and Probably Key Calker, maybe. And Key, Cal Key Calker, that's Key what I Key better than San Pedro. But I went to Key nice Calker. Oh, I was there, man, and, and they had this, like, what are they called, the spot or something like that? It was like this blue- oh, where the uh, where the cut is, right at the cut? That one. Yeah, that's a cool little bar. Man, that was some yeah. badass bar. Yes. Uh, uh, and you got the like the, the, the blue water right there. Oh yeah, and then the sunset right behind it. You I just don't know if I could live in a place like that. Like, Well, that's why I said, in your mind, you see sitting on the beach for the rest of your life is this ideal thing, right? No. But you're right. Well, see, I do, because yeah, I like no. quiet. Oh, I like quiet too, but I'm like, but for you how won't, long? You won't for very long, right? So that's why I said maybe a month or two, and then go, oh, yeah. go, go to Portugal. Well, for you, that's where Italy. your kids are gone. Mine are still little. Yes. That's the problem. I have a big one. She's out, you know, yeah. she, she's on her own now. But um, but I, it's interesting to have this conversation because... Oh, I love it. You have I different choices. This, all these these ideas. You know, I, I see this idealistic, you know, rustic ranch setting and having, you know, animals and, you know, all this space. And then you think, man, that's a lot of work to keep that up. 
know? Yeah, you gotta buy tractors and, you know, or hire somebody to mow that lawn and, you know, uh, I, I owned property on acreage before and in, out in Damon, mm -hmm. and that was our headache. Yeah, we have five acres in Friendswood and it's, it's just work. Wow. Where, where are you out in Friendswood? You gotta see here, that this is typical. This is, how many houses have you sold that you wish you never sold because of the value, right? Hundreds, right? Yeah. You look at I've sold houses in Willow Bend for two forty nine. Right. You know, twenty of them probably. Right. So I bought my land for sixty seven thousand dollars. Wow. In Friendswood. Six months ago, the next the lot next door that's half the size of mine sold for four hundred. A lot across the street sold for eight twenty. Yeah, well, for a lot. Yeah, you're sitting on two million dollars worth of lot right now. It's incredible. It's it just. People are paying crazy money for. This. No, I don't think it's that. I think is 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 that is the inflation. So if if you want to look at the future, you look at the past, right? So let's look at your at your house in Friendswood. When was it built? Twenty years ago, two thousand. Okay, so it's fairly new. Three. It's fairly new. Two thousand. To me, that's a new house. Yep. But to we me, built it. to me, all houses are eighty nine and and yeah. and and a little and even even the eighties houses are still fairly new. But if you go back to the houses on the 40s, right? Built like pyramid homes and like, we got them all over the place, right? Yep. Let's talk about like South Park, MLK, 6th area. 40s and 50s. 40s and 50s, right? Yep. I used to pick up houses there back in 08 uh, for nine grand, 10 grand. All the time. Right, Detroit, but hey. I did it all the time. That's what it was, right? But those houses, brand new, were selling probably for that much back in ten or fifteen thousand, if that, right? So this is in the forties. So now we're in the two thousand twenties, right? That's what sixty years ago uh, was that 60, 80 years ago, right? So if a house sold back then for seven grand, and today that same house rehab is going for three hundred, how many X was that, right? But the annual gain wasn't that big. Right. Annualized, it's not that high. Right. But the X is huge. The X is huge, right? Mm -hmm. So, going back to your land, you bought you bought it for 60-some thousand bucks. Maybe 5X, what 6X. Is, it's probably more than that now. Mine, mine is probably worth a little more than that. Um, somewhere in the four, high fours, probably. Yeah. So... And it's more improved than that piece of property, but it's got of, a house on it and all that. Of course, right? But, I mean, a, a perfect buyer for that land will be a developer that wants to do some townhomes or something like that. I don't know where that property is, but that's what they're doing. Yeah, what Friendswood has done, though, is they won't ever let it be rezoned. Because they don't want, they don't want to ever go over 50,000 people. Okay. It's an interesting thing about cities. So, Friendswood is landlocked. And so they're being real cautious about allowing people to develop subdivisions. They want really wide lots. They want nicer houses, bigger lots. Because once you hit 50,000, any street that goes through your town that's an FM is is turned over to you for maintenance versus oh, the state. Wow. And they don't want to have to maintain Pretty those smart. roads. Yeah. Well, maybe at some point it makes sense to do it, but... Well, if you can go to 100, but if you're, if you're landlocked and you don't have extra land, barely make it to 50 now you got all this extra expense yeah it's interesting okay i want to ask you something we were talking about the appreciation right where does the nation go in the next six to 12 months 
and then where does Texas slash Houston go in the next six to 12 months? Real estate. So, so I've seen the whole country, right? Because yeah. we wholesale everywhere. Yep. And people are afraid. They are. Mm -hmm. They are. Um, and rightfully so. I mean, you watch the news, man. There's what's no in there? You know what I'm saying? Like, well, good news doesn't sell. It doesn't get clicks. So I don't watch the news, mm -hmm. but I do watch the trends. So I'll give you an example. Right now, you go on the MLS in Florida. In the, in the bigger cities, Miami, Orlando, you're seeing price lashes of 30, 40, 50K. Okay. okay, now this is, remember now these houses are higher priced because their taxes are lower. So call it a $4 million property. Oh, that, that, one, that one does lash a million. Right, but I'm, let's, do, let's go let's, back. Let's do a million dollar. A million dollar home is normal to dump off 50, 60K today. But that home might have been 800 two, two, two years, years ago. Two years ago, it was 750. Right, so it it it, it rubber banded past what it was probably worth. Yeah, a few people bought up there, but not that many. And now right. it's kind of no, that cut that. looks like a negative. But to me, that's to me just not. that's just settling. Not it's settling. So so a bubble city like Miami is settling. Um, another another place that I've looked at is the Carolinas. So we do a lot of deals in the Carolinas. It doesn't seem like it's settling at all over there. It seems like it's kind of like stabilizing but they're not slashing that's how I feel prices. about Houston they're usually in some reductions but the only reason you're seeing reduction in my opinion is people that asked a, a crazy amount in the first place and the in the interest rates just to see what happened and no and the interest and rates the interest you got rate. higher interest rates now of course six and sevens and, and fives the best you can do is five and some change or something and I don't know what they are today I haven't looked at them in like a month or so yeah, what fives today we're fives today okay. fives. so so, if you were able to afford a $600,000 home on a 2.5% interest rate, you're not affording that home anymore with a five. You're four fifty five hundred now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, that has to come down. So, there used to be a thousand people that could buy that house. Now, there's only 800. That's right. Yeah. So, that's going to have to come down and, and rearrange. Are we going to have a 2008? Never. I, that is not going 100%. to happen. That is not going to happen. Are we going to get a lot of subject tools and, and foreclosures? Yeah, because uh, especially from people that are not educated like you and I are on how to deal with banks and how to renegotiate debt and things of that nature, or maybe come up with the funds to reinstate the loan. Or they're 35 years old and they don't understand how to balance their own check. Exactly, and then they, they just rather leave the house and go rent, right? You ask, you ask a 35-year-old, who the Kardashians are, and they'll know that. Oh yeah. If you ask them what amortization means, they, they don't have know. no idea. And that's the sad thing about America. It is. They spend. If you spend half as much time with your kids on sports, in 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 school stuff, extra school learning, they they would exceed all expectations. Oh yeah. People spend hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours on baseball, but they won't get a tutor for their no. kid. Oh man. If a kid makes a ninety, they're happy. The kid could make a hundred every time if he had a tutor yeah. and be ahead of everyone and be number one in Harvard, but instead they wanted to play baseball because they played I baseball. agree with you hundred percent. My wife is actually doing an excellent job with our kids. My, our kids got a bunch of tutors. This is a beautiful thing about Zoom calls. So guess where our tutors overseas. are? Overseas. Mm -hmm. All of them. Yeah. So they're learning Chinese. They're learning Portuguese. 
if they have a problem with math, we're going to find one in Turkey or somewhere, you know. And guess what we pay an hour for that? Five bucks. Nothing. Yeah. Ten bucks, five bucks, fifteen bucks. No, and that's good money over there. Oh, they're happy. And they got a bunch of kids that they're touring, right? Yeah. So, you know, my we're investing heavily on getting these kids to where they're, you know, we're helping them with their deficiencies. Because we all got them. I have See, my own deficiencies. You and I have a lot in common. Yeah. I have a, a tendency to want to help other people, right? Mm-hmm. You like to you like to teach, right? Mm-hmm. I like to teach. Yeah. I like, you know, and it could be some some of it's ego. You like to be the person that knows things, and people right. will listen to you, and you feel important. Right. But I would also that used to be me, but it's not anymore. Because even if I say yes. something and people don't take it, I was like, okay. Yeah. Because be I don't know anything. Right. I don't know anything. But. I think it would be an interesting endeavor to start a company, and I'm considering it as my retirement company, maybe a nonprofit, but to teach uh, some type of financial literacy course for high school, junior high, and high school kids. Mm. Because they don't understand regular life stuff. They're teaching them how to conjugate a verb, versus in America, Spanish in school is stupid. You learn all the different versions of this one word instead of learning 20 more words. You need vocabulary. You don't need to know how to conjugate this verb. Right. And School right. teaches all these basic, you know, or history, remember, this and this. Remember, we're operating on a school system that's 100 years old. No, it's completely broken. So, like, what are we teaching these kids, right? We're how teaching them how to be machines for, for a world that doesn't exist anymore. And their parents are going like this. Yeah. They're not paying attention. Not paying attention. That's the problem with Friendswood. Friendswood is kind of a, a upper middle class yeah. suburb bedroom community. The kids, the drugs in the high school are horrible. Oh, they're everywhere. Because instead of parenting, they hand their kids a handful of money in a in a in a four by four or a Porsche or whatever, and they go to dinner parties with their friends. They don't pay attention to their kids. Right. So these kids are growing up with unlimited cash, unlimited everything. If they want more money, they just say, hey, I need another 100 and they go, they don't even ask what for. You know, so somebody needs to get a hold of these kids and say, Let's, let me teach you how to be an adult. Let me teach you that just because you have a, a visa doesn't mean you have money. Mm-hmm. Why? This is $40 a month. Mm-hmm. No, it was twelve hundred dollar damn phone you're paying for. That's right. You're just paying for it every month. You realize you just pay twelve hundred bucks. Yeah. They don't get it. They don't get it. The whole student loan crap. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, man. So my daughter's got student loans, right? Yeah. And I call her and I said, "Hey, so did you get your student loans forgiven or what?" And she's like, "Hell yeah! You know, like I got ten thousand dollars. Like I think it's like a ten thousand dollar off or whatever." And I was like, well, good for you. And she was like, you don't sound too happy. And I was like, I, I'm, I'm happy because you don't have to pay the other 10 grand. I mean, that they just forgave you. But honestly, I think it's a bunch of bullshit, you know? Because you're, you're, you cre- they created a system to, to, to profit from these kids because going to school is the thing to do. The amount of kids that go to school is probably triple the amount that should. It, exactly. I, I never wanted to go to school. My dad forced me, and I was like, I don't want to. Yeah. I just want to work, Dad. I want to work with you, be like you, do what you do. And then you're like, no, you got to go to school. 
For what? So you can become an executive in a company or whatever. And, you know, and I never, that's why me and my dad kind of like went, went separate ways. Yeah, that's um, true. But now, I mean, we're, we're, we're best friends today. But Good. back then, you know, I, I went, that's how I ended up in the back, yeah. Oh, I, I left. I, I, I used to work for him in the insurance business, the whole nine yards. And I went and joined the Navy and said, that's it. I'll be done. Yeah, and, and that's how I got in the Navy. But um, but it was because he was pushing me. Now, my daughter, who just graduated uh, university, when she was going through high school, she was a C student. So when she graduated, actually on her senior year, she, she did pretty well. So she improved a lot. And when she graduated, I asked her, I said, look, what do you want to do? And she goes, well, I just want to go to college. And I said, says who? Is it you or your mom? Because not me. So by the way, it's her decision. Yeah. It's her decision. Now, if you want to go, I'll support I'll you. I'll support you 100% financially and whichever way I can support you, I will be there. Now, are you sure that that's what you want to do? And she she looked at me and said, no, I'm pretty sure that, that that's what I want to do. I said, okay, fine, go yeah. do it. And and she did it and she graduated and all that, right? But but if if, if I would have had a father like with the way I, I see things now, I would have told, like, I, I was actually, I, made I was actually telling my dad, I was like, dude, save your money, like, you don't have to send me to school, well, but man, that's the world we live in today, Rich, and, and, um, you're right, I mean, if you're taking that approach to show these kids in high school how to balance their checking accounts, how to understand mortgages, how understand to our founding documents, founding documents, what is our country about, what, what is our country Be about, proud of our country instead of acting like you're ashamed of it, exactly, uh, uh, I think, uh, that's a big overtaking, but hey, uh, we'll start somewhere, you know, and, and that's why I do this podcast because um, interestingly enough, in 2016, we were doing a lot of rehabs, and, but we were not plugged in in the Houston community. The real estate community. The real estate community. I, I used JET, I used, you know, multiple sources that I, that I found. But I never went to their meetups. I never went to yeah, their. And how many little tips did you miss that would have saved you from a mistake on a rehab? Hundred percent. So, so I go to all kinds of things, and I'm 27 years in the business, and right. I learn every time. Every day, every day. I met a kid last night. I've seen him on Facebook a hundred times. Didn't really know him, and he started telling me how he does his mobile home business. Right. And I'm like. That is genius. Oh, and it is a what cash cow. And the way he handles it, and I don't want to go into it, but the way he handled it, it's super easy and the yield is stupid. I it's didn't a, know that. He's a cash cow, man. And I'm talking to a 30-year-old. Yeah, it's a yeah. cash cow. So so I wasn't plugged in on any of those things. And and um, one day, we got a knock on the door. We had a warehouse in Brookshire. That's where we had all the leftover materials and all that. And uh, I opened the door, and, and he's, he's like an older gentleman, maybe in his 60s. Uh, is Ricardo here? And I'm opening the door. I was like, how can I help you? Oh, man, I've been, telling, I've been told you flip a lot of houses. I said, okay, like, how can I help you? Man, do you mind if I ask you a few questions on how you get your deals? And I'm like, sure, man, come on in. So I, I invite this guy in, and when he comes in, I, I bring Dennis, my old business partner. And I said, hey, Dennis, come on over. And he said, what's up? I said, hey, here's so-and-so, and he wants to meet you and us, and he wants to ask us questions about how we do our business. Okay, so 
at the beginning it was cool, and but all of a sudden, man, this ha was happening weekly. We'll get a guy knocking on the door, and we had no idea who was sending them. Well, they'll knock on the door, we'll open the door, asking for me, and then I'll plug Dennis in until Dennis one day said, hey, bro, we're going to stop this shit. We got work to do. We got work to do. And I was like, man, but I really want to help these people. Yeah. And he's like, no, Ricardo, but guess what, man? Last night we got home at 10 p.m. because somebody took three hours of our time in the afternoon. And I was like, yeah, that's fair enough. Like, but I really want to help them, so how are we going to do this? Because now he's like, I like helping these people. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, well... I like YouTube because he follow people on YouTube and all that. And I said, Dennis, I don't know anything about YouTube, bro. Like, I don't, I don't even use YouTube. Like, right. literally, that's how far away from all that stuff I was. And he's like, No, 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 check it out. So he pulled up a channel, and I saw it, and very informational. He said, What we need to do is you and I need to sit down, talk about how we do business, upload it, and then when they come knocking on our door, send them to the videos. And I said. I agree with that. I think I think and now the level of commitment from well, somebody sure. wanting to get and you get buyers out of that and you get educated buyers out of that. All kinds of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So that's how we started our podcast. The first podcast was called Renovating Riches. And uh because we were heavy rehabbers. So we believed in the rehabs and all yeah. that. And um but literally it's an interesting story because we we were solving our own problem, which is we wanted to help people. We just didn't have the time, and 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 we wanted, and now we do this thing. We got hundreds of thousands of dollars, and you know, a, a month and all that. Well, that reinforces what we're talking about: is how social media and and technology is expanding you nationwide, worldwide. Yeah, I think yeah. technology is a major part of it. I don't know if that could be doing yellow letters all over the country, like we do texting and call calling. Um, today, we we do deals in. Like, I'm blessed, man, by the way we've grown uh, because we attract all these deals nationwide. They land on our lap, literally. Like, how the hell did I get this, right? Right. A $20 million apartment complex. And, you know, the thing is learning how to underwrite that and making sure you, you got your stuff right. But um, we get a free house every now and then. I just got one in spring. Like, they're cut up on payments, but they got a squatter on it. And they don't want to mess with it. They don't want to mess with it, so I tell them I'll take it subject to another the eviction. And they're like, let's do it. So I got cold called about six months ago, and I said, who do you work for? Oh, I work for a local festival. Who? He said, A.C. Ramos. I said, you tell A.C. And, and all of a sudden he goes, Rich, what's up? He was standing there, uh, he was training the guy. Wow. You know? And he was sitting right there, it was funny. That was funny, man. Yeah. Well, it's fun. I, I got plugged in with AC because of his event, which his event to me is about the only event right now that's yes. really worth going. It's a good one. Um, there's a couple other meetups, JR, and I don't know if you know those guys, JR and Andrew uh, Reed. They're doing one in, uh, it's here in the, around the, the Heights, but it's in their office. Yeah. And there is another one that Boris and, what's his name? Um, from EXP, that's with uh, Brent Phillips all the time. Um, forget his name. It'll come, it'll come oh, uh, Andrew? Not Andrew. Um, Andrew Franklin's put together a big event. No, not him. It's but a, he is. No, it's a, somebody else. Uh, I apologize I to you, bro. I know exactly, like, I'm going to reach out to you soon. But but anyways, those guys put one in the in a bar in downtown. The problem over there is that the, the parking is not right. it's not convenient. You and I talked about that last night. Yeah. I, I had a 
great experience checking out the Armadillo Palace. Just not enough parking. Mm. You know, with an event, you know, you have a concert, you have a thousand people there, you got 300 cars. You have a thousand people at a networking event, you got 850 cars. Yeah. Because everybody comes by everybody themselves. Everybody comes by themselves. Man, thank you so much for coming in today, brother. I this has it. been a, a, an amazing uh, pleasure to me. Uh, thank oh. you for coming in. Guys, reach out to Richard Drake. He's in uh, Renters Warehouse. How can people get a hold of you? Renterswarehouse.com. Renterswarehouse.com. They're the best outfit in Houston that manages properties for real estate investors like myself. And if you're one of those landlords that, you know, that you're sick and tired of managing your tenants or, or not, give them a call. Uh, they, they, they got a good name, they got reputation, they've been in business for quite a while. And, um, you know, I'm not a landlord anymore like I used to be, but if I was one, I'll, all my houses will be with him because I don't, want, I don't like managing oh, tenants. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And don't forget, attendgrowth.com, uh, get your tickets today. They're at discount right now, so you can get 797 VIPs. That's a ticket that sells for 2000 at the door. We're giving you one month of Prospector Web for your SMS, free, included with a VIP ticket. is a no-brainer, and I'm looking forward to seeing you there. You'll have a good day. Bye. Thank you.